We all watched and discussed the clone of world champion Latte setting an arena world record this year at Denver with Tessa Arnold and figured it was about time to have Mary Walker on the podcast. We wanted to have her tell the entire story of her reign with Latte and how he is still making an impact on the barrel racing industry. We watched this duo overcome impossible odds back in 2012 to win their world title and this was a very special episode to hear this story again, as well as the journey now with Latte's clones. I don't usually get personal, but Mary actually holds a special place in my heart as well, as 2012 was the year that Kayla and I started dating and the first NFR that I watched. And I still remember talking about this lady who came in and won all of those rounds, even if I knew less about barrel racing then than I do now. So listening to her 2012 run took me back to a wonderful time as well. If you aren't a Patreon subscriber, there's about 20 extra minutes to listen to with Mary, where she talks about watching Latte's clones growing up and becoming the mentor instead of the writer. She is the kind of coach that maybe all of us need from time to time. Subscribe to the Money Barrel on the Patreon app for just $5 a month and you'll gain access to the extended episode and much more. This week's episode is brought to you by the 2019 AQHA Stallion 77s who is standing for the first time to the barrel racing public in 2024. Learn more at the commercial break or visit the website at 77sstallion.com. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y-S-E-V-E-N-S stallion.com. All right, I'll send you over to Kayla and Mary. This is The Money Barrel. This is an episode I am super excited to have, and we have world champion Mary Walker on today, and thank you for taking some time to talk to me. Sure, anytime. I always, I like to talk. You you were so much fun to watch when Latte was running, and now it's like, truly, Latte 2.0, with Ditto and making waves with him, so I think we're just going to have so much to talk about today. Um, but why don't we just get kicked off like at the beginning for those that may not know. Tell us a little bit about, you know, your your background and growing up and how you even got into barrel racing to begin with. Um, so my granddad, years and years and years ago, because I'm pretty old now, <laughs> uh, had quarter horses. And so he always kind of provided us with, with something he had. And we did a lot of what they call play days which are close to like Gymkhana's and uh, stuff like that. So we did all that. And and um, then, you know, you get into high school, which we did not actually have high school rodeo like they do now. But uh, we did have a, a little high school rodeo association called Lone Star. And so we did that every weekend. And, and mainly all I liked to do was barrel race. I was not a goat tire. And pole bending was just too much to go around so I thought three barrels was easier than all those poles so I did that and um, me and my oldest sister kind of shared a horse and his name was Jet Barb and he was the own son of Jet Deck and I don't even remember the mare he was out of but um, I went on to amateur rodeo on him and won several amateur associations around here which used to be the CPRA and now it's the UPRA so I guess I'm old enough that these associations change their initials. So <laughs> <laughs> that's been kind of fun to, to watch. But, yeah, so I amateur rodeo, you know, as soon as I graduated from high school, that's all I wanted to do was barrel race. And, of course, I had a job. So I didn't go to college, had a job, barrel raced on the weekends, and just, just had a blast. And then in 1983, I bought my card, which at that time, if your director liked you or thought you were good enough to participate in in the WPRA, then they would just sign your permit over to a card. You never even had to fill a permit. Really? That's crazy. Yeah. So when I tell people that, they just laugh at me. They're like, no way. And I'm like, yeah, I never filled a permit. I promise you. Wanda Bush signed for me. And so then I got my card and um, I had just freshly been divorced. I got married at a young age and then just freshly got divorced. And just me and Kaki Libert, um, Chris Libert's wife, which I don't know what her last name is now, 
she and I went together and we traveled. And so um, we went and had fun. And then I met Byron and two months later we were married and that was in June. (laughs) Wait, you only knew Byron for two months before you guys got married? I should have (laughs) waited. But we did. I don't know what the deal was because I was just freshly off a divorce. Oh my gosh. From my first husband. And so then, you know, I, I rodeoed that winter with Kaki and met Byron. And then two months later, we get married. And I'm like, what am I doing? And we got married in Reno, which was, um, I made him promise me if it didn't work, could I get out of it? And he agreed. But I, I, I thought about that many times. You, uh, you know, we, we get a lot of comments to ask, you know, to have Byron's opinions on. And I was like, I don't know if we could do that on public air. <laughs> well, you know, he has me blocked on Facebook. So I, I, I get what he says from other people. They'll call me and say, what, what is he talking about? And I'm like, oh, I have no clue. I haven't read it yet. But we don't know. why don't you read it to me? That's hilarious. <laughs> well, that could be some stories in itself. Oh my gosh! Well, I mean, he he means well at some of the things he says. Sometimes it just doesn't come out like it should. In writing things on Facebook, I think sometimes he does it on purpose. <laughs> I do too. I truly do too. I laugh about it all the time because I'm like, "Why would you say that?" And he said, "I just wanted to stir him up." It, I'm like okay, if Daddy does tell 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 him if we need a a podcast to get some clicks, we'll have him on. <laughs> oh, he would love it. He would love it. Get some opinions. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, after we got married, we rodeoed that uh, summer, and I was still riding that same horse that I amateured on, and and um, and you know did all the amateurs on and. I ended up in 1983 missing the NFR by $2,000. Oh, wow. And back then, I mean, it it just, it really wasn't, I, I mean, I just don't believe that I could have probably made, I may could have, if I'd gone to the Cow Palace, that was the last rodeo of the year that year. But, you know, you just never know. And, and we came home and broke and, you know, both of us trying to rodeo and, it, you know, you just, you think, I need to go home. So yeah. we did. And then I ended up selling him, and I do not remember the lady's name, but she went on to win um, the senior world whatever um, rodeo association on him for a couple of years, and then I kind of lost contact of him. Oh, cool. So, yeah, yeah. So, so then it was just kind of like, you know, I'd, I'd trained some horses and then I'd, I had some horses and then I bought some horses and I made the Tur- Texas Circuit Finals. I don't, gosh, I, I should have kept up with all of it, but several times um, I made it when we went to Abilene in 83 and then Waco and, and they actually had it at Fort Worth, the uh, Cowtown. Okay. Fort Worth. And so I've been to several different places that they've had the circuit finals. And, um, you know, just kind of we had Reagan in 89 and and just I just pretty much stayed home with him and just played around with with young horses and and just kind of jackpotted around here and and uh, went to Mesquite. Mesquite's like 35 minutes from us. So just kind of went to Mesquite a couple of times, you know, in the summer times and. It just kind of hung out. Because Byron was, like, heavily rodeoing during all of this time, right? He was, and I don't know. He retired one. He's retired twice. But he retired one time, and then he went back in 2000. So, oh, okay. um he was he was off for a couple of years. And then he returned in 2000, and I don't remember. The, gosh, I'm terrible at years I don't remember the last year he made the finals and then that was that was it he said he was tired of practicing and and didn't want to practice anymore and he didn't think that was fair to himself or his horses when did you start really pro rodeoing again and when did you get latte so I got latte in 2010 okay um I got him the fall of 2010 I had um the girl that owned him, uh, Sherry Cogburn, 
I had been after her. Every time I saw him tied to the trailer at a jackpot, I was like, I, I want that horse. And I don't know what it actually was about him. Um, he was just kind of a tall, thin, gangly, you know, looking horse. And, and I, I watched her a couple of times. And, and he did some little tricks a couple of times with her and um, just, you know, I just saw, saw something in his eye. I was just like, mm-hmm. this is the coolest horse. And I'd never been on his back, ever. And so I walked up to her one day and I said, hey, if you ever want to get rid of him, uh, please call me. And and I had had that happen um, a few years before that. I had gone up to... Um, a girl and ask her if she wanted to sell her horse and and she said no and then she called me a few days later and I bought her loved her and uh, ran her about two months and she hung her head in the fence and paralyzed well severed the nerve in her head and paralyzed her so we had to put her down oh god I was like devastated over that but anyway I, I chased this poor girl around you know every time I saw him and I'm like, you sure you don't want to sell him yet? Are you sure you don't want to sell him? And, and finally, um, I was at a jackpot one day, and she walked up to me, and she had, and she said, would you be willing to ride him for me? And I'm like, yeah, but let me try him first, because I may not, I, I mean, we may not click. Mm-hmm. And so I met her at another jackpot and um, made a lope through. You couldn't, he wouldn't run. You couldn't really make him run so we just kind of made a little lope through and I, I thought yes you know he feels great if I can get him home and work on him a little bit then I think we'll be okay and that was the fall of 2010 how and how so old was we, he he would have been six. Oh, okay he would have been six and so um of course I didn't qualify for any of the buildings you know I couldn't go anywhere and uh, we went to a few little rodeos, and I placed a little bit on him, but I had to whip him every step of the way. And I, I don't mean whip, whip him to hurt him. Mm-hmm. I mean to encourage him because he just was lazy and just didn't really want to go. And uh, But he was patterned to death. I mean, he, he knew he was just easy on the pattern. So anyway, we finally started getting... I breezed him a lot out in the pasture, um, short distances, like go fast, slow down, go fast, slow down, go fast, slow down. And we did that for months and months and months. And um, so anyway, you know, he, he was kind of getting the hang of stuff and, and um, just kind of putting a little bit of my touch, I thought, on him and and really enjoying him. And then that's when Reagan had his accident and passed away in April. Okay. Of 2011. Okay. So after he passed away, of course, you know, I was like, what am I supposed to do? I mean, you know, do do I get back up and, and start going to some more rodeos or, you know, what, what, what are you supposed to do after you lose your child? I mean, I, I'm like, he's the only one I had. So now I have nothing. And, you know, what do I do? And, um, And at that same time, Sherry still owned him. And so, anyway, I I have a really good friend, Brenda Tyler Barnes, who Brenda, she made the finals in in the 70s. I think it was the later 70s. I'd have to call her and find out. Um, And she was Brenda Tyler, Matt Tyler's sister. And so she called me up. She said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm thinking about entering some rodeos. And she said, okay. And she said, I'm your closest best friend. I'll only go with you close places. I said, okay. So we kind of ventured out and and, uh, we went to Athens, which is about an hour from the house. And then I made her go down to another one in South Texas, which it was out of her circle. But she went with me. And we went to a couple of those rodeos and um, had truck trouble. And I said, you know, maybe I'm just not supposed to do this. And we laughed and we cried and we laughed and we cried and, and he, you know, lots of worked good. We were just kind of always like, you know, eighth, ninth or 10th, okay. which doesn't pay very much. Yeah. That doesn't cover your fuel bill. No, no. But at that time I was like, you know, I just got to get out of the house. Mm-hmm. I, I can't sit in the house. I've got to get out. So we did that for a little while and, and, um, 
you know, then the spring rodeos kind of started up. And um, the first of May, we had, Byron and I had already bought tickets back in January of 2011 to go to Hawaii. And we had bought Reagan ticket and his girlfriend a ticket. Well, I was like, I'm not going if I can't take him. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of hashed it out and we went and took his girlfriend with us for 10 days. And that was the uh, May, probably about the 10th of May. And so we got home on June 9th, never forget it, as long as I live. We flew all night from Hawaii, got home that morning, and I had left Latte at a a friend of mine's house that does rehab. And he had just kept him in shape for me and and, uh, said, when you get home, he's here, just come pick him up. So we drove from the airport, picked him up, the horseshoe was there shooing him, and we got home, and when we got home, I didn't feel very good. So I told Byron, I said, I'm not going. I'm just going to turn out. I'm tired, and I don't feel very good. And he said, no, you entered the rodeo. You're going. And I said, but I can turn out cheaper than I can drive to Crosby, Texas, not feeling good. And he says, no, no, you're going. I'm like, oh. And and I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you kind of have an idea about Byron, but he's very hard-headed. <laughs> I got the gist. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, he called a friend of ours, and um, he asked if he'd drive me down there because I wasn't feeling very good. And uh, so Josh came and picked me up, and we drove to Crosby, Texas, and kind of still didn't feel very good, but I thought I'll be okay. And so anyway, it's a a smaller uh, indoor arena, and it's you go in and set up, and then you stop. You, there's no alleyway. So I run, and he smokes the first barrel, smokes the second barrel, and then falls at the third barrel. And when he fell, I was underneath him, and I could I was pinned up against the barrel. Oh. And he fell on my, on my, just kind of across my lap, I guess. And all I could see was his new horseshoes, like, all around my head and I thought oh my gosh he's gonna kill me and about that time he kind of caught his feet back and got up and took off running and um of course the people come out to get me and I'm like hey guys you got to get me up I'm walking out of here I do not bring a stretcher out here and when I stood up I, I felt every bone in my hip lower abdominal just moving and I said okay guys I guess you're going to have to bring a stretcher out here because I can't walk and uh, so they brought a stretcher out and took me to the ambulance of course they couldn't move the ambulance till another ambulance gets there oh my gosh so for an hour while the bull riding was going on I was in the ambulance and of course Byron by this time just having a fit and Josh is with me and then I had another friend that was there running barrels and she took latte and she loaded him in her trailer and she headed home with him. And Josh went with me to the first hospital and the first hospital told them there wasn't anything they could do for me that I had to go to Herman Memorial Herman in Houston. So another ambulance ride all the way to Houston and spent two weeks in the hospital there, have eight plates and 11 pins in my hip, a pin in my femur, I had two fractures in my vertebrae and two broken toes, which were the most painful thing I ever had happened to. The the toes? The toes were more painful than the (laughs) whole broken hip? Broken hip. And and it didn't even ever hurt. It It was the weirdest thing. It never hurt. But those toes, I kept telling them at the first hospital, I said, my toes are broke. And they're like, no. Th- th- your toes are not broke. I said, my toes are broke. Well, they pulled my boot off. And they said, yeah, your toes are broke. And I said, oh, they hurt so bad. And then when my surgeon came to see me the, that morning before surgery, I said, well, are you going to fix my toes? He said, I can't fix your toes. And I said, okay. So anyway, they fixed their cells while I was healing everything else up. But um, yeah, I was wheelchair bound for 
four months. I was non-weight bearing on both legs because I had a fracture in the other hip. It wasn't bad, but um, just non-weight bearing for four months and then just rehab, rehab, rehab. And that was, that was very painful. The rehab was, but I had great rehab people and, and they just, I went three hours, three times a week, three hours a day. And, and uh, then on my coming home, I would do, I had a swimming pool. So I do rehab in the swimming pool. Yeah. So it, it was, uh, it was a crazy, crazy year in 2011 and, you know, did I know if I ever wanted to run barrels again? And by this time, Byron had bought latte for me. He oh. bought it for Mother's Day for me. And I'm sitting here going, okay, I've got this horse sitting in the barn. What am I going to do with him? I mean, do I sell him now to somebody else? Or do I just get up and go? Yeah. Or, you know, what do you, what do, you do? I mean, I, I know he's going to be nice. Didn't really realize at that time how nice he was going to be but mm-hmm. you know what do you do do i just sit here and play pitiful pearl and just decide not to do anything or you know they're telling me i'm okay you know i just need to strengthen up and and go so byron you know he's he put me on, i have we had a good paint horse it was real gentle and he put me on him every day because i still i was just barely in a walker when I started back riding and uh, so I rode old paint around for a little while and then got the courage to to get back on latte and and then I was scared you know because if I get close to a fence what if what if something happens and he falls into a fence or and I get tangled up in barbed wire or you know you have all yeah. this stuff that goes through your head that you, you think can happen and uh, so I wrote for, oh, probably a month or so every day and then went to an enclosed arena of a friend of mine's and and said, okay, I'm ready to make a run. And yeah, I made a run. And Byron goes, is that it? And I said, do what? <laughs> and he goes, is that as fast as you're going to go? And I said, I went fast. He said, no, you didn't. <laughs> so I had to encourage myself to go faster. And then uh, Odessa rolls around in January and I enter Odessa and I'm going to go for it. And when I made my, back then Odessa was two runs. And when I went for my first run, I, I was like three seconds off. I just slow loped the whole pattern, the whole pattern. We just slow loped. And Byron goes, you got to do better than that. And so I came back and placed in the second round. Wow. So this was the Odessa just six months after your accident? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. you were running latte at this time? You got back on him? Or... I, I was on him. Oh, yes, wow. I was on him. I, I probably just kind of jumped around there. But, yes, yeah. I was back on him. Hadn't been back on him very long, just maybe a couple of weeks. And, um, you know, just trying to trying to talk myself into that I could do it. You know, I just I just need to get the courage up to do it. So and that that talking to yourself, which I hope nobody saw me talking to myself, but just talking to yourself and trying to talk yourself into it that it's okay, you know, you're it probably will never ever happen again. Just just do it. This week's episode is brought to you by 77s, the 2019 Gray AQHA Stallion who is standing to the barrel racing public for the first time in 2024. With El Shady Zerrero, Brazil's number one stallion with over 10 million in progeny earnings and multiple world record setters as his sire and TK Twirl as his dam, 77s brings rare and proven genetics to the table. His dam, TK Twirl, is an own daughter of Trey Sace and is a AAA running and producing mare with over 412,000 in progeny earnings, including the 2018 Futurity Horse of the Year, JS, Milo, and Stitch. Not only does 77s come from a line of champions, but he also has flawless confirmation, big bone, great feet, fluid movement, and a loving disposition. He is enrolled in the VGBRA, Lucky 7 Bonus, CN Futurity, and Top Shelf Breeders Incentives. This stud will be standing to the public at Summit Equine and offering discounts for proven and multiple mares. Follow 77s on Facebook and visit www.77stallion.com. 
That's 77 spelled out, stallion.com, to learn more about this up-and-coming sire, and be sure to mention the Money Barrel. And so this was, this was 2012. This was 2012. So, I mean, I remember watching the, you know, the rodeos and the videos, but I don't think, now even just thinking back, I don't think I realized that's how the year started compared to where it ended. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So walk us, walk us through 2012. Okay. So Mm -hmm. we get to 2012 and of course, again, I don't qualify for anything. No, no Houston, San Antonio, Denver, nothing. I mean, like, I, I'm, I'm not going to get to go anywhere. So Byron's tired of sitting at home. He spent all summer and all fall at home. And he said, you know, I, I, I don't want to sit at home anymore. And he said, let's just go and see what happens. And I said, okay, we'll just go and see what happens. So he calls a friend of ours. Uh, that used to drive for Joe Beavers, and he said, yeah, he'd help us drive. So we go, I'm pretty sure my next one from Odessa would have been Tucson. Okay. And I'd never run Latte in a big pen, ever. I mean, he was trained here, East Texas, which a lot of covered arenas. There is some outdoor pens, not many, mm-hmm. that they jackpot in, and... Um, <laughs> This was my first run in a big pattern on him. Did I think that he might turn? I, I had no clue. I mean, I, I literally had no clue if he was going to run in an outdoor pen. You're hoping. You're just crossing your fingers. Yeah, that's all you can do. You know, you just you just think, if, if he doesn't turn, then that's okay. I know that he's not going to turn. But I kind of, in the back of my mind, knew he would because he wanted to turn so bad anyway all the time. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, we go to Tucson and... Um, I made it to short go and won Tucson. And so I was like, okay, well, that's good. And then we left Tucson and went to Florida. What a drive. Yeah, you're putting some miles on. Putting some miles on, yes. And the truck, we had a Kenworth, and it had a clutch on it, and I could not drive because my leg wouldn't let me push the clutch in. So Byron and uh, Buckwheat had to do all the driving, which was great. So yeah, that's I just great for you. And did whatever I wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "This is great. I can do this." Uh, so we get to to Florida, and um, I did pretty good at, at those Florida rodeos: Kissimmee and Okeechobee, and I forgot uh, uh, Arcadia. I think it was. I think I won Arcadia, okay. and almost fell off at the second barrel at Arcadia. But anyway, we just kind of just kept going and kept going. And um, I wasn't winning a lot, but like I say, I was placing. Mm -hmm. You know, you just kind of keep placing. And um, the summer kind of starts, and and, um, we leave for the summer, and and we're going to these rodeos. We went to, um, I won, um, oh, oh gosh, it's in Colorado. I mean, it's only the rodeos from twelve years ago. We won't hold yeah. we won't hold you accountable for that. Well, it's out in the middle of nowhere. You'll know which one it is. It's in the middle of nowhere, and it was a dirt road getting to it. And usually, there was weeds in the arena when you got there, and they had big parties. We get there, and I win it. And so Byron just laughed and said, "Yeah, this is the road to the NFR." And I'm like, "Yeah, right, road to the NFR." <laughs> and I do. Let me back up. Because I did forget this. In December, and I was I was on a walker, and Byron had got, he said, we're going to NFR. And I said, no, we're not. I'm not going, I'm not going up down those stairs. And he said, yep, we're going to NFR. So we went out and spent about four days at the NFR. And, of course, parked in the handicapped parking lot and went in there. And he said, so this is how you're going to go down the alleyway. And this is what you're going to do. And this is what, and I said, I don't even know what you're talking about. He said, when you make the NFR this year, I said, I'm not going to make the NFR this year. He said, yep, you are. And I I remember that arguing with him that just let's enjoy the rodeo and quit telling me how to come down the alleyway. So, and that was December of 2011. 
Okay. So you're saying that his stubbornness does have some good traits. <laughs> he wasn't going to let you stop. It does. Sometimes. And, and believe me, I argue with him about it. And then usually he's right. And that's what makes me mad. Well, hey, he usually is always right. We're going to edit that out. We can't give him that credit. Cut and edit. <laughs> I use I use the phone a friend. Carly said you won Grover. Grover, you're yep. so, oh, you're awesome. <laughs> Grover, phone a friend. She's the best friend we have. She is. She's you're, the greatest. Yeah, Grover, Colorado. And when we left there, he said, this is the road to the NFR. And I went, are you kidding me? Grover, that, Colorado. That's hilarious. That Now that yeah. I know what you're talking about, that is hilarious. Yeah. So anyway, we, we went on and... and um, we rodeoed, we went through, you know, the gateways and all that. And like I say, I'd have to pull my stats back out and see what I did. And I, I really kind of don't. I remember, this is one good thing I do remember. I remember going to Cody, Wyoming. And I was second out at Cody. And a girl falls at the second barrel right in front of me. And I saw it. I wished I had never seen it. And, and she didn't get hurt. Nothing happened. She no. just fell. And I went in and loped the pattern. I was so scared. I thought, if he falls with me, you know, yeah. the ground must be horrible. And it, you know, just things just blowing through your mind. And I said, you know, I just, I'll just lope through the pattern. Well, when I got out of the arena, he was fit to be tied. Byron was. <laughs> if you're not going to go any faster than that, then we're going home. And, so he kind of left me alone after that, and I went back and I unsaddled my horse and got furious at myself. And I said, why should I let that bother me? I mean, what would make that bother me? Mm -hmm. And I got in the trailer, which I know you're not supposed to ride in the trailer, but I didn't want to hear him and Buckwheat rag on me. So I got in the trailer, and I can't remember where we went from Cody, um, maybe to... I don't even remember. I'm not even going to say. Anyway, after that, it just started clicking. And we get to Nampa, Idaho. And that's the first time I ever saw Lindsay Sears, Sherry Servey, Brittany Posey. You know, that 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 group yeah. that was in 2012. And, and has been in those groups forever. Brenda Mays. Um, that's the first time I'd ever been up against him because I'd been going to grow. I had decided himself that I was going to go to these smaller rodeos, get my confidence up, get my horse firing before we ever got to the, those rodeos. And so I get there and I think I barely made it to the short go. I split 10th going into the short round. And I thought, oh, good grief I got to run against every one of these girls and I did I outran all of them in one Napa wow was that like obviously like the first big big win that year yes. I mean that's in July middle of July yes yes and I thought and this was in a in an indoor arena which I knew he would work in an indoor arena because that's pretty much where we had he had been mm -hmm. his whole life and so I thought wow well, then, you know, we go to Cheyenne and, and Ogden and, and uh, Salt Lake, which Salt Lake used to be in the middle of town, which I didn't do any good at Salt Lake, but I ended up, I won Cheyenne that year. I won Ellensburg. Uh, it just, it just started clicking. Everything just started hitting perfectly. Um, Tremont, Utah, I just, it just, everything just started hitting. And uh, I'm like, at Cheyenne, I kind of knew I'd, I'd qualified to go to the finals, but I didn't say anything. I was just like, be quiet. Don't say anything. You know, you, you just got to keep going and keep winning. Mm -hmm. And it just did. It just, it, it was just like, he just, he just turned the key and he just went on and, and everything, you know, just started clicking perfectly. I mean, I was stronger. I could ride him better. Um, I wasn't, I just had talked myself out of being scared. Yeah. And so, you know, he's eight years old. And just kind of remember this eight-year-old. So 
he's eight years old. He's won all this. You know, I have no expectations going to the NFR. I'm, what, 40-something, 50-something thousand behind Brittany Posey going into the NFR. I'm tickled to death. I've made it. It's a dream. I'm just going to go to the finals and just have a great time. And the first morning practice, we get to the finals. I come through the alleyway, and I'm just going to trot him through the pattern. He takes off and makes a smoking run, and I come out, and Byron goes, let's go to the trailer. And I said, but it's practice. He said, you've practiced enough. <laughs> and I said, okay. And then to win the first three rounds at the NFR. Wow. And then win the seventh round, and then win the finals. I mean, you know, not win the final. I did not win the NFR, but I won the world, and the most money won at the NFR. Isn't that crazy? Yes, that's like those. Those are things I didn't, you know, I didn't realize at the time. I remember, I remember like watching those runs, but holy cow! At what point during those finals did Byron say you have a chance to win the world? Like, was that even a thought, or was that a after round ten? Like, look what happened. No, we when I ran one round seven. At that time, if I don't fall off, <laughs> and that, that happens, if I don't fall off and get around them, I've already hit one barrel, but if I can get around them, stay a little bit in the average, and, you know, just don't fall off. That's all he's telling me the whole time is don't fall off. And I'm like, you get in the stands and sit in the stands, and I'm back here in the back. And so he, he uh, probably after the ninth round, we pretty much knew that everything was good, that I, I was going to win the world. But I, I probably could have won the world, even falling off. <laughs> but that was not an option. Yeah, we're, we're not going to try. <laughs> don't hit a barrel and don't fall off. So my 10th round was not pretty. I was just trying to keep him off the barrels by this time i've run him in there 10 times mm -hmm. back then the ground was not the most perfect in the world mm -hmm. and so you know i was just trying to keep him from not hitting a barrel and me not falling off and then i would have won the top gun and the you know the most money at the nfr so um it, it all worked out it, it it was just it just all worked out <laughs> It's just, I've, you know, we've done a lot of these podcasts with a lot of NFR qualifiers and girls that have had good NFRs. And it's like, when it is your time, there is nothing you're going to do to make it change. Like it is, you are going to win and win and win. And if it's not your time, there's nothing you're going to do to make it change. <laughs> like, so You're it's just, exactly right. Mm -hmm. You are exactly right. And, and they are too. I mean, I, I see it all the time, you know, yeah. you, you see these horses come in and they're, they're hot, 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 hot. And it just is. It's, it's when they're, you know, you can work for years and years and years and finally one day it's your time. Yep. Yep. What was it like when you walked onto that stage and got that, that buckle like? Oh gosh, that was, you know, I tell people the best part of the NFR is the grand entry. Yeah. I think maybe you should, I should back that up and say the best part is going up and getting your world champion pop up the saddle. Because that was, I mean, people are everywhere and they're hollering and they're screaming and, and you're like, I just won the world. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I just, I just did that. And at that time I was 53 years old and I'm like, this is crazy. This is just, how did this happen? Because a year ago, I was sitting here and Byron was telling me how to come down the alleyway. Yeah, that's crazy. So how in the world did it happen in a year? But it, it did, and it was you know, the most memorable thing I'll, I'll ever remember and how exciting it was. And um, You know, I always say that I had an angel on my shoulder because he, I think he was the one that was kicking me in the rear end saying, let's go. Yeah, he he was the the help to make sure you didn't go home. Exactly. He knew exactly. you had to keep going. That's crazy. Um, 
So after you win the world in 2012, and usually I try to do more research to refresh my memory, um, how long did you and Latte run? Like what, what did your career look like after that year? So we were reserve world champions in 2013. Okay. And, um, and, and let me back up just one step. So you get your belt buckle and your saddle and they, you get to say something to the crowd and then you come off and they take your belt buckle away from you to go have it monogrammed and you don't get it for a month. Okay. I wanted to, I wanted to tell them I'll have it engraved myself. <laughs> you let me keep it. But that probably was the worst part about the NF winning the world was they take your buckle away from you. I mean, they hand it to you for 10 minutes and then they take it away from uh-huh. you. But I didn't know that. And, and uh, then the other thing Byron had told me that night, he said, just remember tomorrow's a new year. And I said, oh, so we don't get to enjoy it very much? And he said, nope, you got to start all over tomorrow. Start all over, ground zero. Yeah. So anyway, I was uh, reserve world champion in 2013, and then I made it 14, 15, and 16. And you talk about how it can go from the best to the worst. In 2016, I did not place in not one go around. Really? Mm -hmm. I I, I I didn't remember that. I hit a lot of barrels, oh. um, and the times that I did make good runs, that my time would have placed from the previous round, and then it didn't that round. Oh, that's got that had to have been very hard mentally. It, it was, it was, and and so, you know, you think, oh my gosh, how can it go from, you know, I I, I placed every year except for 2016. So every time I see those girls on TV at the NFR and they haven't won any money going into the 10th round, I just pray that God will let them win something mm-hmm. because that is horrible to go to the NFR and not win one die. Jeez. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's really hard. It's hard to watch. And then in 17, he um, sustained an injury, um, a suspensory injury. So... I was off of him all 17 and most of 18, and I kind of brought him back in 19 um, to get qualified for the buildings. And then in 20, we got qualified and went made the semis at Houston, and then COVID hit, and that was the end of it. Oh, geez. And that's when, that's when you quit running them? Pretty like, much. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. I just, I, I was like, you know, nobody knew what COVID was going to do. And it, it was just like, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things out there. And, and let's just kind of wait and see what, what's going to happen. You know, you just, you just don't ever know. Yeah. At that time, especially Houston, I mean, nobody yeah. knew what was going on. Nobody. And, and I was in the group right before they shut it down and I had qualified for the semifinals. And then they shut that next group down. That's crazy. So how old was he then? Was he 16? 17? Uh, I should probably be able to do that mental math, but... 17? 17? 16? 16, I think. That's crazy. Yeah. When did the cloning come into effect? Because... Obviously, during this time, now thinking back, you guys must have started cloning them while you were still running them. We did. We did. And I'm trying to think the year that we pulled the samples, um, the DNA samples, we had thought about it and we had talked, Byron had talked to a man in Argentina that had polo ponies. Okay. And we had talked a lot about it. And, you know, I, I told him, I said, I've rode every kind of horse out there I've rode ones that I loved I've rode ones that I've hated and I've never rode one that I loved as much as I loved riding him so when he asked me about cloning I said you know why wouldn't you just want barnfuls of them I mean I like them I, I like the way their mind I like everything about them so um why wouldn't I just at my age just want to keep what I like 
And so we we had talked to the man, uh, Blake Russell, who owns Biogen, the cloning mm-hmm. company, and then talked to the Argentine man. And um, he had at that time he had seventeen clones of one horse. Oh wow! That was the all seventeen. He said one got injured as a baby, and then so sixteen of them were as good as the original. And three were better than the original. So I thought, well, shoot. I mean, I, I would rather spend my money doing that than going out and, and buying something that I don't know for sure if I'm going to like in a month or, you know, I, I, I bought horses that I wished I had never bought. Yeah. And then you're kind of stuck with them for a little while until somebody else wants them. Um, and I thought, you know, this, this is kind of interesting. This will be fun, and, and uh, I'll, I'll enjoy this. When, um, I mean, were, were, did you ever have any, like, negative thoughts about it? Like, cloning is so controversial, and, you know, everybody has their opinions on it. Like, what would you say to the people that think negatively? Because, to be honest, I always thought about it as, like, a breeding purpose, or, you know, I never thought of it as, uh, this is exactly what I like. I just mm-hmm. want to run this type of horse. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I truly understand everybody's thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, I hear a lot of it. And, and I said, you know, that's what all makes us different. Yep. Is we all seem to like something different. And this is what I chose. And it, I'm not trying to tell you to do it. I'm not trying to, to tell anyone to do it. I, I think it's your own personal um how you want it done and, and what you think is right, you know, and, and that's fine with me. I, it, it doesn't matter to me at all. Um, but as for myself and Byron both, we thought for, for us, this was the best way for us to go. Mm-hmm. That's, how many do you have? So I had four and I had a, one guy last year of colitis. Oh, yeah, we were gone up to Colorado, and, and he was at the vet clinic, and he um, got colitis and died. So, um, and he was really nice. I, I loved him. But so now I have three. I have Ditto, who's eight, and I have uh, Coffee, who's four, and I have a yearling, and his name's Quattro. Okay. And what, like, you didn't get Latte until he was older, but... When you started having these foals, like, was it, do they have an eerie resemblance? Like, how is that cloning process? I saw a ditto when Carly had them, but I honestly don't even probably think I realized it was a clone at that point. Um, Like, could you tell right off the bat, like, holy smokes, this is, this is real? So when, so I don't, I don't really ever know until they call me and tell me that I have a baby. Okay. And so they they kind of pretty much, if you want to do the cloning process, you tell them. And so I would get a picture one morning and say, you have a baby. And I'd be going, oh, my gosh, look at it, you know. And so I don't actually get them till they're probably between two, two weeks old in a month. And then they bring them to me. And so I just go from there. So, actually, I don't know anything much about how Latte was raised. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do know the people that, that, the lady that bred and raised him. I know the lady that bought him. Um, and I know the lady I got him from. So, through listening to what they had to say and the way he acted until I got him is a little bit different than these guys. And the yeah. only reason I think is kind of, from what I understood, Latte was a little bit of an outlaw um, as a two-year-old. These guys have all been pampered and babied since they were born. And and that that probably is the, the difference there. Mm-hmm. Now that they're all grown, or I say grown, I still have a yearling, but um, like Ditto's bigger and stuff, they have the same stupid habits. <laughs> I, I said, how do you learn these? Ha- I mean, they start them as babies. 
Really? Stupid little habits. And I, when I see it, I just, I just close my eyes and go, oh, my gosh, there's Latte all over again. Like what? What do they do? Well, one good thing, they, they all poop in one side of the stall. Every one of them does that. So that's one good thing. The bad thing is, is they all kick the stalls. Every one of them. That's and crazy. I had videos when Latte would stand at the trailer, and if he didn't like something, he would rear up and then kick out. Rear up. And you could tell he was fixing to do it. And if you could catch him before he did it, you were okay. But he would actually rear up. And not a big rear, just a, a, up in the air and then kick out. So far, every one of these, if you tie them up, they do it. And that is so weird for me. I'm like, how? They, they, my yearling baby, who I just had picked up, he'd, he'd been out in the pasture with his mom. I took him to Roger Daly's, had him halter broke. I have Roger halter break all of them for me. And then when I brought him home, he did it automatically and I went, he has not even seen any of this. He just does it. It, it, and that's eerie to see the things that they do that are just like latte. Yeah, that's crazy because obviously, like, there's always the discussion embryo transfer and, you know, now cloning the nature versus nurture. But, like, you see foals copy their moms when they're embryo transfers. Like, <laughs> but to see them do that with clones, I mean, that's crazy too. I know. It, it is. And, and just to see their, the way they eat, that's another thing is they they their first grab of food is just a slobber mess. I mean, they all just kind of like, they eat and then they just <laughs> scatter it and, and come back to it and slobber. And I'm, I'm said, you got to be kidding me. I mean, maybe, it, maybe I could take some of that out of the DNA <laughs> to help with it. But, yeah, so, I mean, they do. It, it's, it's strange, and until you're around them, do you realize how much they all are alike? And at five o'clock, if you're not out there, every one of them paste their pens. They want in the stalls. Is Latte by them? No. 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 I sold Latte three years ago. Oh, I don't think I knew that. Yeah, I did. I did. I sold him to a, a young girl, and he got hurt two years ago uh, at a rodeo, and so... Um, Oh, I do think I remember this now, seeing a young girl running him. Maybe I didn't realize you sold him, but regardless, um, seeing a young jockey on him. Yeah, and, and the reason, you know, people say, how could you how could you sell him? How could you mm -hmm. sell him? He did so much for you. And my reasoning behind it was he wasn't ready to quit. Yeah. He still wanted to go. And I thought, if a young girl could have as much fun with him as I had, then that would be a blessing. I'm, Yeah, I couldn't imagine getting the opportunity. Even a slowed down, 18, 19-year-old horse, but a horse like him to learn off, I mean, that that would be incredible. And, and you know, I, I do understand how people want to retire him out to the pasture mm -hmm. And, and do all that. And, and I thought, you know, if he can live the rest of his days out, because he loves running barrels. Yeah. Loves it. And so um, until his injury, I, I mean, she was doing so good on him. And um, it, it happened at a rodeo. He tore a superficial tendon in half. And, um, you know, he's still able to walk around and he's still have, living a, a great life. He just is not going to run barrels anymore. I, I'm glad this came up because I learned this when I did the podcast with um, Tierney Steinhoff on Hot Shot. And, like, mm -hmm. they were still running him at 24. And, mm -hmm. you know, he ran. Like, he was getting legged up and he passed away in the pasture the weekend before they had him entered at a barrel race. Like, and I, it just makes you think, like, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, my God, this horse is 10. It didn't accomplish much. It's, you know, old. But it's like... They, they have a lot of gas in the tank if you let them. They do. And I think now it's so much better because we have the great veterinarians that we have. We mm -hmm. have the fantastic grain and feed that we feed them. The great 
hay we feed them. Um, I, I think that maybe back years and years ago, four or five years on the road, and they're pretty much done. But now, uh, I think as long as it's not a career-ending injury, that, that they last forever. How does that work with, like, do you know with whatever samples you have, like, will you have more clones in the future? Or, like, the three you have, the three you'll have? Uh, no. I can have as many as I want. And, wow. and and that's the funny thing, because Carly and I were laughing the other day, and, and she... You know, when, when I first asked her to, to ride Ditto, I mm-hmm. had to. I had a, a another, well, Ditto was three when Carly first tried him, I guess. I had another three-year-old that I bought out of the Copper Springs Ranch sale that um, he was a prime talent out of a Dash to Fame mare, and we call him Bobby Lee. I still have him. Okay. And he and Ditto are the same age. And so I took both of them to Carly, and I said, just pick one and see which one you like, and then... I'll take the other one home and save him for a five-year-old futurity horse. Well, I mean, Ditto was barely loping the barrels when Carly took him. And so it ended up doing really, really good. And she placed it a bunch of futurities on him. Of course, you know, he's not Pink or Ruby Buckle. He's not yeah. Breeders Challenge. He's not He's not anything. None of them are. And um, so, you know, I'm kind of struggling this year with my four-year-old. I wanted to... T- sending to the futurities but then i'm like you know what why mm-hmm. why because he's not in anything so why don't i just get him really solid and just take him to some rodeos yeah but um anyway um i took took him to carly carly did that and and um, so anyway we were talking the other day and i'm kind of jumping around but we're going back to breeding and i truly understand that that people love the breeding process. I mean, they pick their studs, they pick their mares, you know, and Carly was going, yeah, I got to get a recep. I got to do this. I got to, I got to take my mare and have her fold out. And Mm -hmm. I got to do this. And I said, Carly, it's just easier. Just order one. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, I don't like you. And I said, well, really, I just pick up the phone and just say, okay, this is, you know, I'd like to have this many. Whether I get that many, does you know, mm-hmm. I, it, it's not always a possibility to get that many. Yeah, there, things happen. They they die in utero, or they're stillborn, or just like any other foal. Yeah. I mean, but um, you know, I we laughed about it. I said, I just order mine. I don't have to do it. I don't have to worry about the stallion. I don't have to worry about my mare coming in season. I don't have to have her at the breeding barn. I don't have to I don't have to do any of that. And she said, just that just makes me sick. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. But no, with the samples that we took um from Latte, I can get as many as I want that will last me probably the rest. Well, I mean, that they'll last forever. I mean, they can make thousands out of the samples that they took from latte that's crazy mm-hmm. that i mean you saying that i'm like god that does sound smarter <laughs> like, yeah, well, let me just... i mean truly i mean for me now i know that that these trainers and and these breeders they mm-hmm. like to breed to different stallions they have these great mares that have produced and i'm i'm i love watching it I mean, one yeah. of my best friends, Sue Smith, and I love watching who she picks for Centerfold and uh, Andrea Busby and, you know, all these people. I love watching what they pick to go with these great mares and what stallions people own and what amazing horses these all are. But for me, I just soon order mine. Yeah, and you know exactly what you're getting and you love it. I, I love it, yeah. They all come out. They're all bay. They're all little stud colts um we build them all i don't want a stallion i don't want to be in the stallion business i don't want one running around my house um so we know that they're going to get gilded and you know then they get put on the pattern and you know they it's just fun it's it's been a very easy fun process Thanks for tuning in. If you aren't listening on the Patreon app, don't forget there is about 20 extra minutes of content to listen to, as well as so much more bonus content, just by subscribing to The Money Barrel at patreon.com or on the Patreon app. 
for $5 a month, the cost of a single exhibition. Don't forget to visit 77stallion.com to check out this week's sponsor, 2019 AQHA Stallion 77s. All right, everyone, run fast, be safe, and we'll see you soon.